0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code Kara for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show. And I'm so excited to have my next guest here. We have Denise Lee, who is the founder and CEO of Alala. And Alala is this incredible, incredible brand that if you don't know about it, I don't know how you don't know about it, but if you don't know about it, you definitely need to know about this athleisure brand, Alala, that is really, really not only cool, wonderful, but also the backstory is super inspiring. So at just 18 years old, Denise left Singapore, moved to New York to pursue her dreams in fashion, I'm sort of fast-forwarding it a little bit, but her career started off working with retail legend Chris Birch, and eventually she started her own uh, self-funded multi-million dollar brand, LaLa. And uh, we're going to hear all about Denise's journey, how the brand uh, not only started, but some of the twists and turns along the way that every great entrepreneur has. And I'm certain there will be plenty of inspiring Uh, stuff that she shares with us along the way and learnings and all of that. So welcome, Denise. Thank you for having me, Kara. Yeah, really excited. So, So let's start with the Alala story. I'd love to hear what is it.
1: So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and my parents were entrepreneurs and I always just felt like I just need that big idea to hang my hat on and feel like it was really good to jump into. And while I was working for Chris Birch, I was training for my first triathlon. It was something that was on my bucket list. And I was like, I got to do this before I turn 30. And so I had this whole career in fashion and retail and apparel. And while I was training for my triathlon, I wanted to buy some new clothing to motivate me to work out. You're know, you training six times a week. And so I, I knew that if I got some new clothes, it would make the workouts and training easier. And so I went to all the stores and this was 10 years ago. So there were not a lot of brands out there at the time, except for the big ones. And I just felt like they didn't really reflect my sense of style and my style ethic. And that was kind of the aha moment for me where I thought, oh my gosh, there's like a white space in this market for something that's more elevated, more fashion forward than the brands that were out there at the time. And how did
0: you come up with the idea of exactly what you would be focused on when you were first initially trying to come up with a few products?
1: Yeah, it was such an interesting um, time. I feel like it was driven out of what my personal style was and what I wanted. But I also worked with a really great designer at the time. And we worked together to understand like the merchandising matrix and really kind of get to the heart of, I think, what was missing in the market that we saw.
0: And what what did you see that you felt like, you know, why isn't anyone doing that? I mean, I know I've I always have walked into stores and said, it's got to be here. This product that I've got in my head, um, it's got to be here somewhere. And it sounds like that was a a little bit you as well.
1: Yeah, it was seeing that there was an opportunity for like taking some of the design elements out of ready to wear our favorite brands at the time and bringing them into active wear, which at the time was like very basic, you know, black tanks, black pants. And so when we launched, we launched with some really fun colors and prints, but that were like sophisticated enough to fit into the New York wardrobe that I had.
0: So interesting. I remember seeing some of your product early on and it had like bows on it. And no one had done bows on product. Uh, Not all of your product has bows on it. But I just thought it was cute and, and it was different and really... Kind of stood apart. Plus, the fabrics were really, really terrific.
1: Thank you. Yeah, fabric and fit are such important parts of our business and important parts of like upholding what we believe in.
0: So, you started the company, drive this right in 2014. That's right. Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now. Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor, stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie-smart. Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week too like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices. Snacks and beverages now too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part? Each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Rosetta Stone works, and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined Too, Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Amazing. And then as you mentioned before, you had worked with Chris Birch. Uh, I think about this a lot. Like, I don't think there's one way to become an entrepreneur, right? But there's a lot of people who um, become entrepreneurs after working for entrepreneurs. And it doesn't mean that they're you know, taking an idea, they're just actually, I think you gain a lot of confidence, right, from from these entrepreneurs. And maybe sometimes you're seeing that they don't have it all figured out, but they're going to go try. And all of those kind of concepts ring true. And you're thinking, gosh, maybe I should go do this now. Is that kind of how you felt with Chris? And I know you're still close to Chris. And um, it, and that's, uh, I'd, I'd be curious sort of what your experience um What part of your experience led you to be able to go and do what you're doing today?
1: Yeah. um, I joined Chris after I went to business school. And for me, I felt like working for Chris was like my second business school experience. You know, he really taught me the foundations in real time and in real life what it was like to launch a brand, run a business, especially an apparel business. And so I'm so grateful to him for all that experience that I gained from working for him. And I feel like one of the things he always said was, you know, it's enough to sit in a room and listen and absorb the knowledge that's coming to you in addition to actually doing stuff. And so I'm very grateful that Chris let me sit in a lot of rooms with really great, inspirational entrepreneurs and business people. And I felt like I really just absorbed so much of that.
0: That's great. Well, ha- working for a mentor that that actually uh, will sort of share steps along the way too, um, I think that that is just so, so key. And it's something that you don't learn in any school, whether it's undergraduate or, you know, definitely business school either. It's just you just do not actually get to see until you get in there and get feet on the ground and roll up your sleeves and all those things that I think you were really, really lucky to be able to do. So, you start your brand in 2014. What was kind of the big hurdles that you had to figure out?
1: I feel like we were so lucky when we started because. Spring 2014 was when we launched, and it was also when athleisure became a word that we started saying. And so there was a little bit of luck in the timing that we had, and we were able to kind of ride this whole wave of athleisure, you know, trending into where we are today. But I think one of the big hurdles for me when we started, and also sometimes today, is really understanding like the day-to-day cash flow situations and how to manage your money in the best way. I think people underestimate sometimes how much capital a product business really needs, especially if you want to grow. And that was a big lesson and a hurdle that I had to like get over.
0: Yeah, definitely. Did you feel like you had it figured out on in terms of quantities? And I know that that's always like a I I get lots of entrepreneurs reaching out to me asking, like, how do you know how much to order in that first? Because you're, you know, typically paying for it up front, right? You're not getting things on consignment. I mean, it's, you've got to, in any industry, especially for any physical good, you've got to pay for something up front. So did you feel like you had a good grasp on that or was that kind of a scary (laughs) move?
1: It definitely was very scary. And this is what I would say for our philosophy, but also for someone who's thinking about starting a product business, who might be bootstrapping it themselves, I would say always start at the smallest quantity that the factory would work with you with. Mm-hmm. And it's better to chase and place another order than being stuck with a lot of inventory that you can't sell. Yeah, And d- I think definitely. that worked really well for us. You know, But I remember our factory was like, you're only ordering how many pieces you know for our first order and i it it was heartbreaking to hear them say that but it was the right move at the time
0: yeah well and then you put in another order after that so so thankfully you were able to kind of get a head start on the pandemic um i'd love to hear your experience with the pandemic like what what was the situation when the pandemic hit for you all? Can you kind of set that up for us?
1: Yeah. um, So we were in our New York City office. You know, I had this big office with a big team and obviously we went all remote at the time and there was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning of COVID. Um, But we were able to really be nimble and quick in kind of switching people's roles in the team to support where we saw the business growing unexpectedly. So before COVID, we were a big wholesale business. So we sold to a lot of retailers and that was a majority of our business at the time. Mm -hmm. During COVID, obviously the stores were shut and e-commerce became a very big, significant part of our business. And one of the things that I'm really proud of is that we were able to shift everybody into focusing on our e-commerce site and our e-commerce business. Even our wholesale team and the people that really didn't really touch e-commerce kind of pulled their weight into that direction, into that channel. And we were able to really grow a lot into that channel um, over the pandemic.
0: Side hustles are all the rage these days. And why not? It's an easy way to make money, whether your side hustle is e-commerce, affiliates, newsletters, or chat GPT. Now is the time to make your dream become a reality. And here is where Hostinger comes in. Hostinger offers high-quality web hosting services with all the resources you need to succeed online. Interested in setting up a new website? Setting up that initial website is super easy and extremely intuitive with Hostinger. You can launch a WordPress website in one click or use Hostinger's drag-and-drop website builder. Worried you might not be able to get the look you want? Don't be. With over 150 beautiful and fully customizable templates to choose from, they've got you covered. And as I said, Hostinger makes it ridiculously simple to make it all happen, whether you are a newbie or a pro. They can even help you create a free logo in seconds using their AI Logo Maker. It's really all pretty awesome. I personally used Hostinger and was able to set up a website with lots of cool templates, and it was pain-free. Whether you're interested in setting up a website like I did with Hint Water or creating that newsletter that you've always dreamed about, Hostinger is a great option for anyone who wants a straightforward choice. Sign up now for one incredible offer. Go to hostinger.com slash Golden. That's K-A-R-A-G-O-L-D-I-N to get everything you need to create a website for under $3 per month. As a special bonus for all the Kara Golden Show listeners, Use promo code Kara GOLDEN to get an extra 10% off. That's hostinger.com slash CARA GOLDEN. Were you manufacturing overseas? So, did you have any challenges with? plants closing down, manufacturing houses closing down, shipping companies. We've heard of all those stories where the boats were sitting offshore. And even if you swam to them, you weren't going to get your product. <laughs> um, all of those things I can only imagine.
1: Oh, yeah. We've been dealing with that for you know the past couple of years, for sure. But during the height of the pandemic, I think we were very fortunate to have a diversified uh, factory base. Mm-hmm. So we did manufacture some things overseas, but we also did and still do manufacture here in New York city. We manufacture in LA. And so we were able to kind of like work with the factories that were open at the time and kind of, you know, wait on the business that we had with factories that had to close. And so we were fortunate to have, you know, the different, countries in place for us to really take advantage of who was open and who was able to produce goods.
0: That's really, really smart. I know we've talked to many people too, where if they only had uh, their product manufactured in one country, um, that was the big lesson for them that, you know, they've got to have options. So diversifying very, very quickly if you uh, only have one option for manufacturing, your product is absolutely key. So I think that that was a, a big learning for so many. So you self-funded your company initially. So I'd love to hear how you've been able to do that.
1: Yeah. So um, we've been self-funded since the beginning. It's been nine years since we have launched. Um, I've learned a lot on the financial side. Not going for venture was a conscious decision on my part. I really wanted to hold control of my business, especially at the beginning, because I wanted to get to know every part of my business really well. Um, and I think being more disciplined with you know smaller budgets really helped kind of shape the culture of the business too. So we still are a very lean team today we you know, are very careful about where we spend our money and we have this um, idea of our return on our investment always on the front of our minds. And I just think that's a good way <laughs> to do business. You know, my dad is a business person and he always just ingrained in me, like you need to be profitable, especially if you want to be self-funded. Um, and I also learned a lot about, you know, alternative funding sources. So now we have a revolving line of credit with a bank. We've spoken to, you know, and have relationships with factors for our wholesale businesses. And so there are other ways to get working capital into a company besides, you know, the sexy venture funded route.
0: What do they want to see in general these days for, for that uh, for like revolving credit and factoring, and for those people who are thinking, okay, it sounds like Denise has has it figured out here, and uh, you know, I want I want that program.
1: Yeah, I think with the factoring, they basically front you the money that you know, let's say a Nordstrom or a Saks would be paying you for the goods. So you have to have a wholesale business in place to speak with the factors. Um, So that's really important. And obviously a growing wholesale business is even better for them. So that's the factor for the bank. I think, you know, having that profitability in your bottom line is really key. They're all about mitigating and assessing risk, right? Will you be able to pay back this loan at some point? Um, And so I think for them, it's like looking at the overall health of your business and if you have a strong trajectory of growth, I think they feel more confident that you're going to be able to pay back the loans.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you've used social media
1: uh, to get the word out about
0: Alala. And can you talk a little bit about um, you know, what has worked best for you on, on that front?
1: Yeah, I think for us, you know, we grew up in the age of Instagram. We've seen a lot of our influencers that we've worked with in 2014 explode to be huge influencers over the last 10 years. And so I think with everything, it's about building relationships and it's about being very genuine in those relationships and not seeing it just like as a transaction. Like here, I'm giving you clothes you post once and that's it. We've been very conscious about really building relationships, not just with big influencers, but micro nano influencers as well. And I think, you know, you need to be very um, broad sometimes in that approach because you don't really know who's going to be the person who's going to really drive that traffic for you. You know, it might be somebody with 10,000 followers versus somebody who has millions.
0: Definitely. So, how do you stand apart in a crowded uh, category? I mean, the the category that you're in, obviously, is is there's lots of different companies, not as good as your product. But I mean, how do you get the consumer to know that? And maybe you use influencers, but I think it's uh it's always, you know, I think a big challenge to for brands, especially clothing? Like, do you actually have to touch the product? Obviously, they could return it um, if they needed to, but I'm curious what you would say to that. How do you build that brand?
1: So I will say building a brand is not like a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. It's just the same as like you learn about yourself over time. You really learn what the brand stands for, who the brand's customers really are over time. And so I feel like for me, there was a lot of experimentation, you know, over the last 10 years, like there were some seasons where we were like, oh, let's try a little more streetwear vibes or like, let's try and do this. And it wasn't until maybe like two years ago that we really nailed down. Okay. Like this is our customer and this is what she's looking for from us which was sophisticated, very high quality clothing that you could wear in your closet season after season and year after year. And so we really, once we got that download from our customers, doubled down on that and really, you know, made it our space in this very crowded space.
0: So you're speaking to your younger self, uh, you know, maybe you're that 18-year-old who's coming to New York and you're thinking about starting your own company. Is there anything you'd do differently?
1: Yes, <laughs> so much. I feel like coming from an Asian country and growing up in a very, like, traditional Asian household, you were always taught that, you know, you had to listen to your elders People who are older than you always knew better than you, and you should just follow whatever they say. And I think if I were to tell my younger self something, it would be to trust my own intuition and gut so much more than I did when I was young, because I was like always thinking, oh, this person says I should do this. Like I should listen to them because they're older than me and they know better than me and it took me a really long time to get out of that mindset and to understand that like a lot of my own intuition and a lot of what i was kind of like pushing down really was the best thing for me yeah and i wish i had realized that sooner
0: no i think that's really really valuable i think it's it's uh you know definitely i've I've thought about that a lot too. And I think as you get older, you start to realize that, you know, especially when things don't go exactly as you thought, uh, you should have trusted your gut. And it sort of sounds cliche, but I really do think it's true. And you have to sort of rely on what is your gut telling you and, kind of undoing what you learned, uh, over the years, I think is, is a very powerful thing for sure. So, uh, do you have a board of, of the company? A lot of times people have boards, uh, especially if you've raised capital, but it sounds like you guys, um, have not done that. Do you actually have a board?
1: So I do not have a board. And I think that is another thing that I wish I had, you know, done sooner. I think what I'm facing right now to be very candid and open is I don't know really how to get to the next level of my business because I don't, I've never done it before. Yeah. And so I'm finding now that I'm like, oh, I wish I had sooner, you know, board members who could help me show me the way and direct me in a direction that I could get to the next level. And so, one of my big things for this quarter is really to assemble a board of, you know, experienced professionals who can really help me get to the next level because I just feel like I don't know what I don't know and I need some help getting there.
0: No, it's interesting. Well, and I think there's also something to be said about advisory boards too. If you don't actually uh, want a, governing board but you want mm-hmm. people who can kind of help you um i've also seen people do advisory boards um where people are you know really sort of helping you think about different things um but either one i've seen both work but uh you yeah, you'll get- it's a
1: lonely journey too, right? It's like I don't really have a lot of people to talk to. Um honestly and openly about the business and so yeah. i would love to get a board together of some sort. Yeah,
0: it's it, it's interesting. I think lonely comes up when describing entrepreneurs a lot, and and uh, or you know their own journey. And I think it is true. And I think often when you're sitting in you know the top spot, uh, that's uh, you're supposed to have it all figured out, right? And especially you're leading a team, you're making sure when there's a problem, you have a a, a set schedule for the day that gets interrupted when there's some hiccup of some sort in your company. And whereas Steve Jobs used to say, if the coffee maker breaks, it's on you, (laughs) right? (laughs) To to go fix it. Um, and it's, uh, it's very, very true. So I think it's, it's definitely being able to have more than just you, I think is the key to scaling it for sure, but also doing it carefully and relying on your gut as you're building. Um, because I think that trust and, integrity and is probably even more important than experience, frankly. So it's definitely a, a journey for so many as they're building for sure. So what are you most proud of when you think about the Alala brand?
1: One thing that I'm so proud of is my team. A lot of them have been with me since the beginning. And, you know, we've weathered a lot of storms over the last 10 years. And that's really been a big source of pride for me. Just the fact that, you know, these, these amazing women have bought into the vision of what Alala could be. And every day they choose to work with me, even though, you know, we don't have the best pay or the best benefits out there. They're really buying into, I think the vision that we all share for the future of Alala. And that's so cool.
0: Yeah. No, it it yeah. is. It's, it's a great thing. And as I always tell people that, you know, they may not be with you for the entire time. You've probably had people who have, you know, come and then they left. And, you know, maybe you've got a few people that have been here with you since the beginning, which is a really powerful thing. But I think it's also the fact that Somebody signs on to your idea wasn't their idea for even any amount of time is, you know, great. I remember the first time that we lost our first person. I think they were with us for like nine months and it was in the early, early days of Hint And uh, I took it very personally. I remember thinking like, you know, oh my God, you know, it's like somebody tells you your baby's ugly, right? It's just, (laughs) it's a very, you know, it's, you're very like, oh my gosh, how has this happened to me? And I think, you know, the best you can do is uh, wish him luck and, and you know, as long as they can leave with the same professionalism as what they came with um, when they started, I think that that's the most important piece of it. And, um, you know, it's...
1: Yeah, I think being kind to them on the way in, during and on the way out is, you know, so important. And it's such a small industry. It's important not to burn any bridges.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So with the pandemic too, there's... So many people that are working remotely these days, obviously you're in New York today. Do you see that with uh, the the apparel industry that a lot of it is, um, especially on the supply chain and um, direct to consumer, do you feel like a lot of people are actually working remotely? Do you feel like people, it's good to have FaceTime? I feel like especially Gen Z, I've got some young uh, millennials and, and also some Older Gen Zers, I guess is the easiest way to say it, um, that they want to be back in an office. They want human interaction. They want their buddies that they meet at work that they can go out with afterwards. And, uh, but I'm curious sort of what you're seeing.
1: Yeah, we were very fortunate that like my team now had been in the office together before COVID. And so I feel like we did develop a culture and a great working relationship with everybody before we went remote. And so I think it is difficult for new employees to come into a culture when you're fully remote and understand what's going on. So I think ideally for me, it would be a hybrid structure and we're starting to figure that out. But in the meantime, because we're a clothing business and you need to touch and feel and cl- try things on the girls just come over to my apartment a lot of the time and we do fittings here and we get together here. And I also make it a point really to, you know, get everybody together on a quarterly basis or every couple of weeks, just to make sure we do have the face time with each other. Cause Definitely. I feel like it's so easy just to feel disconnected from everything.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's super, super important for any uh, organization. If you are not actually going into a physical office, actually figuring out another way to get together, um, definitely, especially not just Zoom. So also getting together for uh, whatever it is, drinks, bowling, um, tea, whatever. So really, really interesting. So last question, best advice that you've ever received uh, along the way? That's business advice, I should say.
1: One of the things I always remember is what Chris said to me, which is that it's better to make a quick bad decision than a slow good decision. And his whole point was that momentum and moving forward is really important to advance your business. If you decide to just be frozen in indecision, that's a bad place to be, you know, because no matter whether you made a good decision or a bad decision, you learn something from that. It's only when you don't make a decision at all that you get stuck. And if you're a good business person, if you're smart, even if you make a mistake, you can course correct and get to the next goalpost Instead of just, you know, freezing and not doing anything and not getting anywhere. So I always think about that because we're so overloaded with decisions we have to make every day. And, you know, sometimes it's easy just to like push it off and be like, I don't want to deal with that. But I think the right attitude really is to try and figure it out and make the best decision you can with the information you have.
0: Definitely. Well, I think that's super, super great advice. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing all about you and Alala and all of your thoughts on on everything. So best of luck with all. And thank you again, everyone, for listening. So uh, we will... um, enjoy all the Alala products and get everybody. We'll have everything in the show notes for how to connect with you and with the brand as well. So thank you so much, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023, and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted.